Greetings and welcome back to another calming sound of tea pouring in a cup. We are Full Metal Chicken and Steph the Farm. And together we are the duo of Controllers and La Couches. Hello everyone. Greetings. And welcome back to another episode. And uh, yeah, don't worry, we weren't going for the Oriental intro or the, the you know, the Feng Shui intro. I just figured I've drunk so much tea and we were listening to the, the calming sounds of ambient noise before. So now, <laughs> feel your inner pancreas okay. calm. <laughs> anyway, uh, before we get into it, everyone, welcome back. Hope you've had a fantastic week. If you're here for a specific subsection of the podcast, timestamps will be in our description or yes. episode notes. And also, if you listen out, you may almost hear the crayons. Well, I found that uh, apparently crayons are really hard to find at the moment. Yeah, apart from the ones I'm eating. But uh, yeah. yeah, good joke. How yeah. are you? How's your week been? I should really, really be calm, but I hate lag. I'm I'm over it. It's it's at the point where people just need to go out more so they can free up some bandwidth. But so you can't go out, Michael. That's illegal advice. They can do things like reading books. Oh, wait. They can't. Because they don't know how to. Well, you know, at this point in time, though, I think it's just more everyone's barraging the uh, network that you just can't do anything. Like, I've literally... The lag is so bad, I managed to shoot myself. Look, you bitch about the lag. I do. But I have no issue with it. Yeah, because I can't help it that I'm shit. <laughs> You're not allowed to type, buddy. Yeah. You're not allowed to, to shake the table, buddy. Shake the table. So, um, essentially, it's just a case of... All these issues, <laughs> issues, just really, really funny issues, because... Um, Alright, what are these issues? Just getting a lobby. It's like, okay, how do you connect to a lobby? I love how I ask you how your life's going, and then you go on for five minutes about the internet. Exactly. <laughs> the internet is life. So, uh, no, that's pretty much it, just... Complaining about the internet. Complaining about Call of Duty, if you feel me, you can understand the, the pressures of life, you know. There's a quarantine, but Call of Duty is life. To a so it's new in your side of the world. Yeah, that's pretty much it. You know, I ate some toast the other day. Um, I think I've eaten too much chocolate in the space of the last week. Um, I think I've added on like 10 kilos, so that's been good. Um, and it sounds like we've got birdies in the, uh, the outside realm. Um, so it's sort of how you go about it. Um, So yeah, definitely how you go about it, but it's just, you know, me complaining about a computer game over a network. Woo woo! So, uh, yeah, what do you mean up to? How's your, you know... Well, um, would you like to talk about something that annoys you? Uh, no, you may go first. Alright, so, basically, I think I said that I was going to get back into... I said last week that yes. my friend asked me to play and then I met another friend and then this week I met several friends and it resulted in me levelling up. Yeah. And you're not quite so happy. Like, super fast. Super, <laughs> super fast. You've already overtaken me and you've only been playing like two days. It's been like, a, I'd say, a week on and off. I played solid yesterday. Um, Solid, yeah, like just wipe. Everyone. You were carrying on. I thought you were going to carry on on the podcast as well. <laughs> but uh, you know, it's it's funny. Like you're what level sixty seven at the moment. Yes. Yeah. 
and I've been leveling up maybe like one level a day, maybe two. Someone's laughing in the background, I can tell it. I can, I can feel it. They're like laughing really, 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 really hard. I don't understand how you find it so hard. I think because I'm just focusing on leveling up a shotgun. So I have to be point blank. So I'm getting sniped because I'm trying to run into them. Um, so, you know, that'd be interesting to see. But, you know, it's. I, I think I have to switch over to SMG or something. It's just getting too tough. Alrighty. Already, already mm-hmm. Anything else? Uh, no, that was pretty much it. Just me complaining about Call of Duty. So, uh, you know, there's a few people out there probably saying, "Oh yeah, no, just you know, go out and be be an adult." Play Minecraft. Play Minecraft. Yeah, that that shit's hardcore. Um, so I have a new thing. Yes. That I keep forgetting to bring up in the podcast. Mm-hmm. And that is called Ghost Adventures. Ooh. What do you mean, ooh, as if you don't already know? As if you yeah, know. I know. That's why I'm going, ooh. I'm not saying it's legitimate. I'm not saying it's 100% true, but... Like, what do you think? Oh, so for anyone who doesn't know, it's about, like, Zach Baggins and his two friends, and they go out there and they... Hunt ghosts in quotation masks. And demons. Demons. Demon? Demon. Demon. That's BuzzFeed Unsolved. That's yeah. a different group of ghost boys. But what do you do? That was funny. So what's your take on um, I think Zacky Boy? They're funny. Um, it's sort of... he. It's all very light-hearted. You know, they're going out there and just really having a laugh. Then you get... I think we've seen a few where everyone just takes it really, really seriously and too much stuff happens in the space of an episode like the ones we're watching at the moment there's just you know how can that much you know breaking tables you know flying ashtrays he doesn't they he's sort of noticed about ghost adventures and no disrespect they could be credible and I have no idea because I haven't studied theology I haven't studied paranormal stuff but I was listening to the And That's Why We Drink podcast, as you know, and I was like, oh, they keep referencing ghost adventures. I need to figure out what this is all about. And then I watched the skin walk around. You can find them all on YouTube, by the way, especially if you're in Australia, so you don't have to pay for the travel channel. Um, So that's what I did. And I started with the skin walk around. And you know what I've noticed is that they're very, um, they take their viewers through and they're like, carry them down the narrative that they want to write. For example, say that they have an electronic voice phenomenon where they hear a voice in quotation marks coming through that little reader that's scanning all the frequencies of sound, right? Um, and then they're like... For example, say that they pick up someone saying, hmm. Yep. They'll play it over... They'll play it, replay it, and they'll go, suddenly we heard a sound, a voice coming through on our EVPs. And then they'll play the hmm. And then one of the guys like Aaron will be like, the person said home. And then they'll be like, so they play the sound, but at the bottom they have the suggestive subtitles. And so you'll hear the, but it, they'll make it sound like it's home. Yeah. Like they'll make you, they'll make you think that that's what the person is saying. And they play it like two or three times to really drive home their narrative. Cause that's just one thing I've noticed thus far. Yeah. Cause I look at it and I kind of go, okay, it's a combination between ghostbusters and you know just what would you 
something I'm trying to think what would be the best way to cross over it's like the new Warren family yeah it just ugh. and some stuff he's entertaining it's, don't get me wrong it's regardless entertaining regardless of it being some parts I find them to be slightly disrespectful oh absolutely especially when they went to Skinwalker Ranch and they had to cross into was it Navajo Nation yeah they were just making a big joke of it and you're telling me that the travel channel is going to record them high yeah on Piyoti yeah, something like Piyote that. Piyote or whatever it's called. Yeah, that called. particular opiate. And because the, the witch doctor, she blessed them so that way they wouldn't be possessed. Yeah. And then they're driving in their bloody jeeps, in quotation marks, high on peyote. Yeah. And they don't know that they're high. Oh, please. Yeah, it's all bullshit. Anyway. So, uh, yeah, no, that was... It's, it's something different. I think from watching Supernatural... And then going to this, you sort of see, I think if there really was, you know, unexplainable phenomena going on in that area, I think there are people who want to go, oh yeah, I find ghosts. Oh yeah, that's what I do. I hunt down demons. Personally, I feel if you did summon a demon, it would wreck your day. It would (laughs) wreck your life. It would really, really, you know, and there's the people saying, oh, you know, it's all bogus, it's all fake. Sure, charlatans, got that down pat. There is that percentage of uh, people who full-on believe this to the core and cannot be shaken in any way. Let's take this Skinwalker Ranch episode in as an example. You're now cashing in on what is essentially part of, I don't know if it's correct to say religion, but it is. It's part of their belief. Yeah, it's right? part, part, so part crossing, of their belief system. You're yeah. crossing over into their home, and then you're like, oh, we're going to take in all this electronic bullshit, and we're going to film ourselves... Getting high and having a laugh and, you know, just talking shit about it. It's a case of there's a reason why an entire... I reckon if it was me, I would shit my pants, and I'd be like, hell yeah, it's true. Yeah, and see... The bit where I went, okay, they want them, they got them to take the opiates before going in there, so they're going to trip balls. I look at it and kind of go, okay, well, you're not going to have your wits about you, yeah. and you're going to see all kinds of weird stuff. But I also hear people critique the show, saying that the amount of phenomena that they record in it's one episode too much. is what that, let's say it's a location or a house or a building, a yeah. hotel, that's one year's worth of phenomena. And they retake it. Yeah. So, like, say that they hear something and they didn't get a good enough reaction the first time they, in quotation marks, reacted to the thing. They do it over and over again until they get a good take. Yeah, which is stupid. Um, And, like, for instance, you know, I think there's going to be one day where, hypothetically, you know, if they do capture something, they would be... But in the intro, they're like... For years, we've built up our credibility. How are you credible? Yeah, exactly. What makes a ghost hunter credible? Finding ghosts. What do you do? Oh, yeah, you know. They're not going to be... I think, honestly, if there was a ghost in the house, there's a reason why the ghost is stuck in the house. And it's possibly not a good thing. It depends. So, you know. It's... Yeah. Right. Yeah. But, uh, yeah. But if you got, like... Time to kill. Uh, you know, just have it on in the background. The episode's like 40 minutes. Yeah. Yeet, yeet. Alrighty, anything and, else? Uh, also, we cracked 500. Yeah, thank you so much, everybody. It's been absolutely insane. Absolutely. Um, a lot of people on our YouTubes are telling us to keep up the good work. 
and that they're enjoying our content which is always amazing so thank you so much for your kind words and your support yeah so uh, you know it's been awesome uh, having you guys listen to us so yeah, yeah keep I it up I apologise for listening to the drivel yeah my drivel my drivel my drivel or my drivel yeah because I'm very drivelly no. I like you got anything else you want to say uh, before no. we jump into the quiz today? No. So the only thing I'm going to do is maybe build something tomorrow. What house? A mm. car? A shed? Uh, no, a model. So it's going to be a snow speeder. I'm going to build a Lego snow speeder. Um, for, yeah, it's essentially just come on in. We've just arrived. So now I'm just going to... It was disinfected. Disinfected. Lovely. So, uh, yeah, I'm just going to do a speed bill, record it, and, uh, yeah, get it up and running. Yeah. So. Alright. Quiz? Quiz. Let's do it. Alrighty. Um, you're currently watching Joe Exotic. Yeah. A.K.A. Tiger King. I already finished it, but I figured today we will take out the, take the quiz. What percent Joe Exotic are you? Mm, what no. percent do you reckon you are? I'm going to say probably 10%. You reckon? Yeah. Alrighty. So... What animal do you identify with? Do you identify with an albino tiger lying on the ground at night time? A uh, Maine Coon in close-up photography? A white dog sitting on a rock formation near a large mountain pond? That's called a lake, but let's <laughs> not get technical. Or what looks to be a foxy poo on a road that doesn't have a label? I think I'm going to go with the... Um... The white dog sitting on the rock. Same, overlooking the lake. Um, do you have beef with Carol Baskin? Yes. Yeah. No. Who? I don't know. I got beef with Carol Baskin. Yeah, just seeing what she does. Okay, then we've got, did Carol Baskin kill her husband? Yup. Nope. No comment. I don't know. Yup. Yup. Um, choose a colour. We have... Ombre like orange to yellow. Dark purple to red orange gradient. <laughs> okay, we've got light blue to dark blue gradient. We've got cloudy pink. Pink. And then we've got multicolored rainbow artwork. I'm gonna go for blue. I'm gonna go for the orange red pink gradient. Okay, so we've got choose a career. Paramedic, writer, zookeeper, singer. Paramedic, Paramedic. Yeah. Oof! Oh god. You go first. 100%. You're 100% <laughs> Joe Exotic. At this point, just embrace it. You speak your truth and you choose to do things your way. I love how they got him crying, nodding his head like, yes. Yeah. My legacy will go on. You know, apparently Do Donald Trump's going to pardon him. What? Donald Trump's going to look into it and pardon him. Oh, come on. No, I'm dead set serious. This is also the same man who said that um, the reason why coronavirus is doing so much, wreaking so much havoc in the US is because the US hasn't put much efforts into um, antibiotic research. Yeah, because so he wants more antibiotics. Is going to help the virus, but that's a different story. That's just weird. Like, really, really weird. And since, you know, People always seem to mix this thing up with antibiotics. You don't need antibiotics for a virus, but people will take it anyway. And the doctors who go out prescribing... Are stupid are and stupid. should either be fined. And after three things, you should have your doctor's license yeah. either suspended or revoked if you're a repeat offender. Also, how do you feel about doctors getting um, double Medicare it's bonuses? It's not just double. 
Or is it's it double if you're just on the phone with the person. Yeah. It's double plus incentive bonus if you see them in your clinic. Yeah. And this is bulk billing through Medicare in Australia, at least. How crazy is that? Now is the time. And they would be getting such a high influx of people. It's just crazy. And people are, like, hoarding their scripts. Yeah. And everything like that. And people are just saying that they have, like, massive headaches or whatever so they can get endone yeah. uh, prescription. Because in Australia now, to get the higher order painkillers, you have to... It's not over the counter anymore. No. Um, so people are kind of... Yeah. Oof. And you'll see a lot of chemists in Australia um, have signs up saying, you know, no drugs of addiction are kept on site. Because once you start going down the really heavy opiate range, there are some... Yeah, really hard. Well, the thing people. is, some people actually need them. For example, in cancer treatments. Absolutely. And what they do is they provide them patches because it's a lot more gentle on their system and it kind of like it's a slower release as opposed and therefore it has also more patient compliance because it's like a consistent dose over a consistent schedule. Yeah. And I don't know. And so that's the thing because there's opiates and there's opioids. So it's well, technically no, they're the same thing, Michael. Yeah, but they just have them in America. I know they've got them in two clear no. categories, and then they blur that because there's a few. There's no difference, is there, between opiates and opioids? Well, it's more just in America they have a. They're, they're both the same thing. They just call them different things, but they have opioid, you know, epidemic, big time, in America. Sorry, opioids are the synthetic ones derived from opiates. Yeah. Okay. So. And the synthetic ones are supposed to give you less of a high. Yeah. If I remember my function. So some of your, you know, common opiates, morphine, codeine. Opium. Yeah, but it's not like I'm a general person off the street no. who's going to... You can't get morphine unless you're admitted to a hospital. Exactly. Or a green whistle because you've done something and it's really Yes, busted. but again, yeah. that's a primary care physician. Yeah. Okay, a paramedic. Yeah administering that to you you cannot in australia it's not the right schedule because there's scheduling of medications i can't remember the order i think nine is like it's one to nine i think it's even um cams conventional alternative medicines yeah i can't remember if they're going to say that they're scheduled two or three but i know that further down you go like shit like industrial um Agents and yep. like gardening shit, that's on there as well. It's all scheduled. Yep. I, I, I can't remember what, I think it's like, I I'm, it's been two years since I've had to look at it. I'm sorry. But yeah, it's, you can't go to a fem- chemist and say, give me a fucking morphine. They don't have no. it, Michael. No, they don't. But it's more the stigma of, oh, you're on, you know, painkillers, oh, you're a drug addict. But it's a case of, People. I don't think people realise that if you were a drug addict and you needed morphine, yeah. it ain't going to work for you. No, because you've got a tolerance to it. That's what people don't understand. You can load that person up with as much painkillers as you want. It's not going to do anything. It will kill them. The cytotoxicity will get them before the actual effect of what you want the drug to have yeah. will have. For example, I remember watching... Um, an episode of Botched, and I can't remember which 60s, 70s, or maybe she was even 80s, like a supermodel, but she was one of the American ones. 
and she was getting her, her like breast augment replaced because you know you have to do it like every 10 years apparently she hadn't yeah. done it for 30 years and she was scared about their whether they were intact or not and they were rippling because they were the old um, style and of model I guess you could say and so she had abused drugs in the past so they gave her uh, something else touch you know knock knock wink wink um, and she got so high she had who took the drain pipe out and you knew that drain pipe in there because yeah. oof yeah and she was like pulling it out of her, the socket in her new breast pocket she was because you needed to drain yeah all the excess out and she pulled it out Fuck. so the next day the surgeon comes in to check on her and the camera crew and he's like where's your drain and she's like oh I didn't need it it was bothering me and she was high and it was the next day yeah and it was 24 hours post-surgery shit so you don't know how people are going to react there are no. so many factors but here's the thing like being on you know opioids for that long would it, at what point would you blow out your pain receptors you don't blow them out. Just the point is, you have such a high tolerance of it just does So it goes higher and higher and higher, but the cytotoxicity does not go higher and higher and higher. Yeah. The cytotoxicity stays in its normal range. It just so your uh, tolerance will go up and up and up. Yeah. And for people who are taking Panadol and paracetamols, you touch. Yeah. You're in that danger, danger threshold. And so they take all this shit, and that's why they don't know. Yeah. And so then they'll go to the hospital, and the hospital will be like, how much have you had? And they'll be like, oh, I had a whole sheet. And they have to pump their stomachs. Yeah. And there's, like, something that they can give them intravenously yeah. to unbind, because it's a competitive um, yeah. for the same receptor, and it knocks it off, like they do for people who overdose on, is it heroin or meth? Honestly, don't know. Yeah. And the poor paramedics have to administer that. Yeah, and then they get it? abused. Fentanyl and methadone? Fentanyl is, I don't want to say top tier, but fentanyl is fucked. Yeah. If you start that... You ain't coming off. That's... They're the ones that they give in patches. Yeah. To cancer patients. And it's slow release. I think it's also pill form too, from memory. Yeah. I remember my pharmacology. Because I think the other two... What, um... There's a whole conspiracy about fentanyl, though, yeah. about it being made by the pharmaceutical industry yeah. to um, get people addicted so they would sell more of it. Absolutely. It was supposed to be a cheaper alternative to morphine from memory. Yeah. If I have my facts straight. And also Vicodin and um, Oxycontin. Oxycontin. Yeah. Woohoo! But yeah, that's the thing. People get hooked on the happy feeling. You know, that's the thing. Well, that's, that's what it is. That's what they're chasing. That's exactly how you can tell people who are in pain and people who are faking it. Because essentially, the people who pop the analgesics to kind of get a high, they're off in fucking space cadet land. But you in the need sense to have happier. a lot of paracetamol to be in a happy land. In a happy and land. And your, your cytotoxicity, like your liver yeah. cells, your hepatic cells are going to start dying. Yeah. In a general person before you start feeling high. Yeah. So, it's a case of don't take it unless you need it. Just don't take shit. And I know it's a lot easier said than done. I know people are going to say, oh, but there are drugs out there that are helping for like anxiety disorders and other stuff. And it's like, I don't know. I can't speak from experience. But 
obviously those receptors are in our brain for something. Yeah. Um, I don't know. Like, we can go back to the Skinwalker Ranch episode and say people use that ritualistically. Yeah. You know, and you go, that's fine. I'm not going to hate on anyone who does. I have friends that do things. I've never done it. They've never forced anything on me. E. And, uh, you know, there's obviously people who, you know, take painkillers and they have a high, I suppose, tolerance. high tolerance to it, but they don't feel like mm. they, they, they take it purely to get that high. Yeah. Um, they don't take it because it is to manage the pain. But, I mean, you think about it. The, the sole purpose of the analgesics is to take the edge off so then you can manage pain because pain is a good thing in that sense because you know your limits. However, there are other people who will go into complete space cadet mode. That's the problem. And that's why you have a lot of signs, you know, saying opiate addiction, okay, we do not have drugs of addiction because people who need that high get... We'll go there yeah. and they'll do it. Like when they used to buy all the Benet- like the codeine um, cough syrups... Yeah, they get really, really, really angry. So and then they but no, they used to buy it and they used to cut it. Yeah, and then they'd like they'd buy 10, 15 bottles and they hit up multiple pharmacists and chemists. And, but anyway, what do you do? And then you hear about people cutting it with baby formula. Yeah, because you need the milk protein to take yeah um, the thing you don't want out, and they do that with um, what's the other one? Um, Methyl, methylated spirits. Yeah. So, uh, like, people with milk and metho? Do you know my dad's mum? Shout out to her. Um, she, I get, like, a lot of mosquito bites and stuff. She used to lather me in methylated spirits. Like, what's the MSGS of methylated spirits? Flammable. Pretty flammable. I'm dead set serious. I'm dead set serious. She used to lather me in that shit. So I'd be like, ah, oh, it's itchy. And then I'd be like, can I have some vinegar, Baba? And then she'd put this shit on me. Like, breathing it alone. Can we just talk out, talk about if you get it in contact with your skin, you're supposed to rinse with water and contact your doctor. Jeez. You know, obviously, if you're putting metho on, something's going wrong. That's the way That's I what she it. used to do. And she used to use it as a cleaning agent, isn't she? Because, <laughs> obviously... <laughs> Prevent repeated or prolonged skin contact. Jeez. Look, if I was going to get skin cancer, it would happen 20 years by now. So yeah. we're good so thus far. Thus far, we're good. That's what she used to do. And it comes in a little plastic bottle and it's like I've got a purple label. I remember the bottle. And you yeah. can buy it in your barbecue aisle. Hmm. Yeah, when you go to the shopping centre. It's either in the barbecue aisle or in the cleaning aisle. No, she used to buy it in the barbecue oil yeah. aisle. And because right above it is where the matches used to be. Yeah. And she likes the long matches because she's scared she'll like burn her hand because yeah. she says my eyes aren't she used to say my eyes aren't what they used to be hmm. yeah good old method all right anything else no that's pretty much it okay 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 um today we are going to talk about the one and the only uh the phenomena known as the Min Min Lights. Mm, min, min, now, you min, had min. no idea what this was about. Yep. Um, and I remember uh, I was watching the episode of McLeod's Daughters where they talked about it. And I messaged you and I was like, yo, have you ever seen the Min Min Lights? And you were like, what the hell are you talking about? <laughs> it's when you were like, what are you smoking? Yeah, what do you want? What opiates are you on? And then I just said, oh, apparently there's this phenomena in country New South Wales, oh, no, country Queensland about... 
these lights um, and stuff. So basically, there's a sign at Boulia, Queensland, and it's quite close to the Northern Territory border. Yep. If you're looking at it on a map. And what the sign says, sorry, let me just zoom in a bit here. Uh, this unsolved modern mystery is a light at is a light that at times follows travellers for long distances. It has been approached but never identified. Um, and then, like, there's some other stuff. Uh, the sign was erected by the Bolia Shire Council um, in the Department of Tourism or some stuff. So basically, Min Min is an unexplained light phenomenon that has been often reported in the outback Australia. I thought it was in just the one town, but apparently anywhere in the outback, yeah, it can be visualised. Were you about to say something? Nope. Okay. Apparently, it's also incorporated into um, Aboriginal myths, and um, it predates the settlement of white man. Um, and since then, it's also been part of like Australian folklore. Mm-hmm. Not obviously well enough because I don't know anything about it until I watched the episode. Yeah. But then you know, I also grew up in the city, so I was quite shocked that you didn't hear about it. To be honest. Yeah. Honestly, like now, it'd be a case if someone's you know strapping a torch to a drone and then flying around chasing people. Listen, I had the weirdest fucking dream, and you just brought it back to me right now. Yep. So, you know that map in... Westeros? No. <laughs> the Call of Duty map, the the one at the sawmill. Yeah. How half the house is blown out and there's just a pebble rubble. Yeah. We were walking through it towards where the sea flag would be. Yeah. And a drone with aquamarine lights was connected to, you know, the ghouls that you can get for Halloween? Yeah. One of those... Yeah. And it was tied to the drone and it was flying across. Yeah, someone's actually done that with the screen mask. And I think they did it with a um, they did it with the drone and they also did it with a lawnmower. Like a just a oh, that's and they just had it flying around and just <laughs> oh, crazy. Sorry, you unlocked that memory for me. But also too, while that was unlocked, there's one thing we need to try on this, um, when we next play. Um, COD you can attach a claymore to a drone and then you can fly the drone around and then fly it into people. So I want to try that. <laughs> I want to give it a shot. Okay. Um, so apparently Indigenous Australians hold that the number of sightings has increased in conjunction with the ingression of Europeans into the outback. So as white man filters in, there are more um, sightings of the Min Min. Uh, so the first... Well, the, the first one that was claimed uh, recorded sighting dates to 1838 and it was um, transcribed in a book called Six Months in South Australia. Um, apparently, it's more likely like it was a different phenomenon known as a will-o'-wisp. But we'll ah, the good old that. will-o'-the-wisp. We'll talk about that another time. Do you know much about it? The will-o'-the-wisp. Will-o'-wisp. Yeah, will-o'-wisp. Yeah, we used to call them the will-o'-the-wisps. Of course you did. Yeah, but uh, wispy. Wispy. Are you going to say anything besides wispy? No, You're just going to wispy. tell us what it's, it is? Well, essentially, it's just like a... You'll see like a shape like floating like above... Well, we generally would used to talk about them floating above creeks and like little paddocks and you'd see them go along the fence lines or like in the bushes and it's like the will-o'-the-wisp. Like you'd see it like later near dusk mm. and they would just, you know, float along. So... Uh, yeah. Got to do what you got to do, fam. Yeah. Oh, creepy, though. So uh, that's what a will of the wisp 
and uh, you see sort of different, like, uh, what was it? Um, Princess Mononoke. You've got the little ghosty shapes in the forest and everything. Not looking like that, but essentially, like, you'd see, like, this little sort of cloudy cloudy apparition sort of floating oh, around. Oh, I hate the word apparition. Yeah. It cre- not so the word, but you'd what see it means. It, I th- oh. You'd see it a lot in the highlands and everything because of humidity and differences in the temperature. There's the light. Yeah, so you'd okay. see them like so. Soaking... Right, let's not get yeah. ahead of ourselves okay. because yeah. you can explain the phenomenon. I mean, we just ain't there yet, okay? okay. Yeah. So um, they called it Min Min because apparently there was a small settlement uh, that was called Min Min, and it was between the outback towns of outback towns of Bullia and Winton, and that's where the light was observed by a stockman in 1918. And of course, you're going to take the white man's word for it, not the people who incorporated it into their history yeah. and their folklore. But that's a different story, right? So, according to white man folklore, the light sometimes follow or approach people, and then if you shoot at them, and I don't know why you would shoot at them, yeah, but if you shot at them. Sometimes they would very rapidly disappear and then would reappear and they'd like jump closer to you like they were teleporting or jump further away as if they were teleporting away. Jeez. And apparently if you chase the lights and if you eventually did catch them hypothetically, you would never return. Wow. But also, imagine if it was like a person on an ATV. Yeah. And you it. shot the person and you killed them. Yeah, murder. Why? Oh, I was chasing the minimum. <laughs> I know what it was, officer. So you shot it? Yep, yep. sorry, Sarge. I uh, saw, you know, I just uh, had to let off a couple of rounds uh, at the, yeah. So apparently um, there are similar stories in Saudi Arabia. What have Australia and Saudi Arabia have? Lots and lots of sand. Deserts. Yeet. Hot winds. Um, They call call it Abu Fanus. Which means the man with the lamp in Arabic, apparently. And I had a friend translate it for me, so I ain't talking mad shit, allegedly. They could be very (laughs) misinformed of their culture, but I support them. Um, So the lights have been reported as far south as uh, Brewerina in western New South Wales and as far north as Bullia in northern Queensland. and in near the Rubal Kali Desert in Saudi Arabia. And apparently the majority of sightings are reported to have occurred in the Channel Country. Hmm. So. Interesting. Know. I don't know. Like. Oh, it's just weird. Yeah. Very, very weird. It's just weird. What would you do? I don't know. I, I think Channel Country is like where Queensland, New South Wales and... Is that where they intersect? I think so, yeah. Like where New, Northern Territory, New South Wales, and um, Queensland. I think that's where the three of them touch. Yeah. I think that's right. what Channel Country is from memory. I could be wrong. Um, so I was just like, I'm pretty sure that's right. So apparently uh, the town Yunta in South Australia, which is located within a low-lying basin, and they record extreme amounts of heat. So, again, that leads to what you said, but we'll talk about that later in a bit. Yeah. Um, they also see Min Min lights there. Hmm. So, the amount of light, so, like, the size and what they look like, the actual, do I say apparition? If you want, yeah. Um, they vary in description, but they're most described as being fuzzy, disc-like, 
uh, and they appear to hover just above the horizon. Hmm. Uh, they're often described as being white, but some say that they change colour, well, some recounts say they change colour from white to red and green to back again. So they'll be like, white, red, green, white, red, green, and like a stoplight. Interesting. Um, so I don't know. Something definitely going on there. Some accounts say that they dim and then they go bright and they dim and they go bright, just enough to illuminate the ground under them and to cause nearby objects to throw shadows. So, like, say that you see it near a tree, it would cause a shadow to... Like, a, the tree to cast a shadow. Yeah. So there is what appears to be light there. Yeah. What if it was just someone doing early drone, you know, scouting? In the 1800s. Yeah. Back in time. Okay. You know, futuristic technology. Oh, so you think time. Uh, a time travel? Yeah. Uh, some witnesses say that the light appears to approach them several times before it retreats. Others say that the lights were able to keep pace with them while they're in like a moving vehicle, such as a car or an AV. Yeah. Hmm. Quite interesting. So, before I get into the hypothesis, what do you reckon? I reckon it's probably bugs. I think it'd be bugs. Okay. You know, fireflies, that sort of stuff. But then I must ask you, if it appears to be ages away, how are you going to see a bug to be that bright? Big groups. Schools of bugs? Like, similar to locusts. That kind of thing. So, obviously, insects flock together. It might be certain times mating season so like fireflies bioluminescence you know mm-hmm. fireflies will do stuff like that jellyfish do stuff like that yeah. it's to the group mentality yeah. well several uh, hypotheses have been put forward um, including as you just said uh, bioluminescence and we have a podcast episode called bioluminescence yes if you would like to check it out it has an absolutely glowing review Actually, it does. It's one of our most downloaded episodes. Oh, really? Um, It's been hypothesized that the lights may be the result of insects insects being insects uh, swarming them. And uh, apparently, like, they may also contaminate local things such as fungi. Apparently, there may also be, listen to this, a species of owl that we haven't discovered yet that could be bioluminescent. Fluorescent owl? Yeah, fluorescent owl. Like a bio owl? Energizer owl. No, I'm, I'm being serious. Imagine that. I'm dead set serious. That's what one hypothesis is. But no one's obviously ever captured or observed an owl that's bioluminescent. Imagine if it's our version of Mothman. Listen, you don't fuck with Mothman. Apparently anytime anything big happens in the world, before anything big happens, people see Mothman. And apparently someone saw Mothman in September last year. Really? And then what happened in November? Yeah. I don't know the truth. It, it's probably all just coincidental. Yeah, but it's nice but to trigger the... I want to do a podcast topic on Mothman. Yep. And if Mothman yeah. is listening, you know, thumbs Mothman up. Mothman doesn't have time for us, mate. No, he's too busy, you know, releasing Doing the moths. Mothman things. Doing the Mothman things. All right. So another explanation could be geophysical lights. And this is where lights of unknown um, geophysical phenomena, such as um, piezoelectrics or marsh gas, uh, cause this phenomena. Mm. However, the lights are reported in areas without 
geological conditions con are conductive to these phenomena, if that makes sense. So yeah. it's not a marsh that has built up gas. Yeah. It's not like an area that has the habitat necessary, um, such as like the crystals or whatever, to make that kind of response, if that makes sense. So yeah. if you don't have crystals there, you're not going to get the electricity necessary to make that charge or spark no. or whatever. And it's not going to appear as if it's getting closer, if it's a solid rock. Yeah. But that's my personal opinion. And then this one's the one that I most likely I think would be correct reasoning. It's called refraction. An Australian neuroscientist, oddly enough, uh, Jack Pettigrew, Dr. Jack Pettigrew, he suggested the Min Min lights are a form of Fata Morgana mirage, mm. um, which causes remote lights or objects to pe appear above the horizon. Uh, and this can result in an object which is normally below the horizon appearing as visible. Yeah. And some people say that the heat in the deserty area along with light refraction because you know how like when you're driving a car in summer and the road looks like it's got water on it yeah it's like that but in the dark hmm. it's all very interesting so, very yeah. strange me not know i said if anyone's gonna know you'd think it'd be a neuroscientist yeah absolutely so i found some recounts and i also found a no sleep story that i would like to discuss with you today but also, there's one thing that hasn't been, um, like, they haven't been captured on camera. However... I think they have. They have been, because otherwise... Oh, but it could be highly edited. Yeah, because otherwise what it could be is, you know how sometimes with, like, people with tumours in their brain, they get, um... No, dude, there are pictures there of, are well, pictures. a lot of them are also, like, reconstructions. Yep. To be honest. And you can tell that people have just, like, taken headlights yeah and photoshop them in for example there's this one ufo website called out of mind yeah that you can't tell me isn't photoshopped yeah that's photoshopped right so this apparently ties in with ufo phenomena because people think it might be like a mini alien or a mini alien kind of um yeah. craft some description um but yeah uh no. Like I said, they claim that they're real. I don't think they're real. No. I think they're largely photoshopped, but I think I have to point that out. Yeah, absolutely. All right. So if you go to the UFO sub <laughs> subreddit, um, I would, this person called Aussie Curve with Class. Yep. They posted um, the Aussie Min Min Light. And it says, Australia is a gorgeous place. It's also very eerie, especially when traveling those lonesome outback roads. Take the Min Min light, for instance, a light that terrorises the weary traveller. It's a phenomenon that is reported to take place between Bullia and Winton in central Queensland. Um, they say that those who catch the light never return. Hmm. Before my mum met my dad, she was an avid traveller. Born and bred on the coast, she wanted nothing more than to explore her country before she finally settled down and had a family. When mum finally told me her story, she said that she was around 20 and travelling with two friends, Helene and Rhonda. They were on their way out of Bullia and on their way to birds and on their way to the Birdsville races. They had been driving all day and they were pretty tired at this stage. Anyone who knows the outback roads knows that you never drive at night. No. People get lost and it's also 
the sense of in the outback, it's really bright because of all the stars and everything. However, a lot of other stuff comes out at night. So You mean like animals? Yeah, there's a lot of animals that come out and they don't obey road rules. So <laughs> they power lift cars. <laughs> yeah, there's a high chance you can just drive along. And clear something. You'll hit like a you know, a camel, you'll hit a kangaroo. A camel? Yeah. In the outback of Australia we have yes, camels. We have camels. No joke, we got camels. Domesticated or wild? Domesticated and wild. What? Yeah, or even emus. I mean, emus is more believable. Like if you hit an emu, you're gone. Um, you're gone because essentially you take the legs out and the the main the body goes, goes through the windshield. the windshield. So, yeah, you can hit all sorts of things, and also too in the outback, overnight temperatures Drop can go like 60, 70 degrees. Yeah. So. Um, and it's so trippy too, Iman. Even in summer, like it'll be fifty degree. Not that I ever had it at fifty degrees, but it was forty eight degrees. And I went outside at five thirty. And it was 48 degrees. Yep. Went inside the house, came out 30 minutes later, and it was only 19. Yeah. And there's also cases where you see a lot of people and you hear about a lot of people who've gone out, out back, something's happened, and they've left their vehicle. Idiots. Rule number one, don't... Never leave your vehicle. You stay in the vehicle, like stay near your the vehicle. Obviously, you don't stay in it in the middle of the day. No, but you use the vehicle as cover. Yeah. Because otherwise... You're exposed. Yeah. To the elements. And that's what gets people. And that's why you see a lot of off-roaders now. Carry water. Carry extra batteries. Carry yep. fuel. Yeah. And um, always travelling groups. But, you convoy. Know, convoy. But you hear a lot of things like Wolf Creek, that movie. and Oh. It's... What's his name? Um, Ivan Milat. Yeah, Ivan Milat. Now, that... Camp there was definitely something you'd want to just call an airstrike, you know. Mm, for sure. Imagine if they made that as like a Halloween match. Oh, special. could you imagine? Like, you know how they did with ghosts? Yeah. And you could play as Michael? <sighs> Gee whiz. But imagine going through that campsite. But the thing is, you don't have any weapons. It's just the survival. So you need to well, gather. When you did it, you were Michael and you had an axe. Yeah. And then in the Predator one, you were Predator. And you had the triangle like he sees. But anyway, I'm getting off topic. I'm sorry. Um, The girls decided to push on through the night and do as many kilometres as they could. Mum said that it was early evening and the sun had just nodded off. And they were listening to some radio channel when all of a sudden their radio went staticky and fuzzy. Mum specifically remembers that it was around this time that they noticed the lights in the distance. Being an open highway, you'd expect road trains and whatnot blinding your eyes for a brief second while they pass. But this was not the case. She said that the more they drove, the more they noticed the lights dancing. She said that they were moving in such a way as if it was tormenting them, and they were terrified. They drive up as they were gaining sorry, they drive up as they were gaining on the lights. Only for the lights to move further away. And she said it was like a game of cat and mouse. Ooh. Then they disappeared. Naturally, the three of them were quite shaken, and the three girls driving a battered old Ford on a lonely stretch of highway in the Australian outback being tormented by God only knows what. Yeah. When they eventually arrived in the little old town on Bordery and had spoken with the locals, they did realise that they had just seen the Min Min Light. Mm. And then someone commented, um, their username is Subwoofer Stevens, and he goes... I live and work in the very remote Aboriginal communities of the Great Sandy and Tanami Deserts. 
I saw the Minmin lights personally on one occasion. Many Aboriginal people connect them to both good and bad spirits. It's believed that a green light symbolises life and a red light means imminent death. In 2012, I saw a red light follow my vehicle whilst driving along the final stretches of the Canning stock route. I was approaching a small community called Bililuna. It was roughly 2am in the morning. The next day I received a message from home that my grandmother had died. I was raised by my grandparents and was quite close. I don't exactly believe in the Aboriginal meaning behind the Min lights, but it is a bizarre phenomena happening nonetheless. What do you reckon? See, because there's also cases um, where scientists have actually looked at, you know, the phenomena too. And it's obviously in the outback, you've got different air quality conditions, I'd say, because... The air is just much cleaner. You don't have smog and stuff like that. So um, in the sense... If we're going on the side of, okay, it's something that's real, it could be something as simple as, you know, lights or a fire, bright headlights, because you've got people who use spotlights on their vehicles when they're out at night, um, property owners, hunting, all that sort of stuff. So what has actually been, you know, proven, um, there's a uh, Professor Pettigrew, um, essentially what he proved was a layer of cold air just above the ground between... A distant That's light, what I just said before. In a sense, bro. but following on to that, you'd go, is it the repetitive climate or those conditions within the air constantly being replicated in all the other spots that these lights are seen? Or is because the only way you'd be able to look at it and go, okay, well, I've seen it, what's the humidity? Like, you know, you and need you a note down. Like, exactly. You need something like a barometer to yeah. take it all down. And then if you were matching that from where you see, because when they're talking about seeing a truck from 300 kilometers away. Can you see a truck 300 kilometers away? If it's perfect um, weather conditions. Have you seen a truck no, from 300 I haven't. kilometers away? Um, but because it's just so dark and the light you'd is so good. You'd be able to pick it up. You'd yeah. be able to pick it up. I can't remember what it used. There was a thing in... Oh, shit. Literally. Yeah. If it's not here... It's in my room. Hang on. So essentially... There's a thing about... It's in every single psychology textbook, bro. I think it's right here. Let me find it. Yeah. So it's more just the fact that, you know, the air concentrating distant light. So if you take the physics into it... I can't remember my year 12 book is here. So, but then again, what happens if, like, people have got, you know, sparrows or crows or magpies? What's that got to do with the lights? And, you know, attached lasers to must be to my them. room. I don't want to leave the podcast, but there's a psychology thing, and I remember I had to do it for year 12 psych. And there's a specific distance that the human eye can perceive a candlelight wow. away. <sighs> candlelight. It'd be pretty far. But how would you do that, though? Your eyes just, like, you know, it latch on. So it's like me being able to see, you know... I'd need to get the book. Do you want to press pause and I'll get the book? Or do you want to just leave it? No, we'll just leave it then. Because I I specifically know, and I remember it being a certain distance. I think it's like 120 kilometers. Yeah, take your word for it. You can... Look, it's literally in the other room. It's three rooms away. I know it exists. I specifically remember that... 
remember the page. Yeah. All right? Um, it's like in the perception part of cognition. Hmm. And I swear it exists. I swear it exists. So it's sort of like how far away can you see a candle? Yeah. Oh, sorry. Uh, the absolute threshold. That's what it's fucking called. Um, for directing light is greater than you probably imagined. The human eye can see a candle on a clear night up to 30 miles away. So then you go 30 miles to kilometers. It's 1.6. 48 kilometers away. Yeah. And that's a candle. That's a candle. That's so, and like a tapered candle. So now take the the width or the you know the size of a, a lit candle. Now a headlight, spotlight, yeah. a spotlight and ten how times many more lumens. Yeah. So you, you know look at I mean? it and go, that's ten times larger. So that's so about therefore that's where you would get three hundred kilometers. kilometers. Yeah. So yeah. essentially, it's relative. Relative. Yeah. So I told you it existed. And that I jumping would, if there's any sort um, of hills. If you want the paper, it was written by, oh, sorry, uh, that's for the ear, the ear hearing, but um, the paper's by Akawa and Sampath in 2007. It's the most recent reference. I knew it was there because I had to study it for year 12. Alrighty. Yeah. So this is on the unresolved um mysteries subreddit and the person has since deleted their profile so i can't say yeah. who wrote it if that makes sense because i just don't know what the hell was that a dog oh my god um so they actually had the um stockman story yep and what they wrote was that um apparently he saw a strange glow right in the middle of a cemetery Located by the old hotel, which had an like adjacent pub, and the glow appeared to grow to the size of a small watermelon. It was hovering over the graveyard, and then it would move off in one direction, and the same direction that he was travelling. So he was scared. So he climbs on his horse and he gallops toward Bullia, and the light starts following him until he hits the outskirts of town. Jeez. And that brings into consideration what you said, where you said as soon as you hit lights, you can't see the phenomenon anymore because it just gets drowned out by the yeah. amount of light. Um, so apparently some people see one light, some people see double, some people see several beams or like balls of light. Um, apparently someone has seen hundreds uh, what else did he say? Apparently, it can also oscillate like up and down like a yo-yo. So they—that's their jumping. Yeah. For lack of a better term. They say either he, this person says it might appear for a few minutes or for several hours. They may be stationary or travel at the speed of a car. It's generally about a meter off the ground at approximate fence height, and it may jump or travel along fences. It can be reported to be seen high in the sky. Um, sometimes they're curious and friendly. Some people say that they don't feel threatened, but others say they feel panic because of the lights and being unknown. Um, apparently there were 36 sightings between 1950 and 1959, only 12 between 1940 and 1949, and 16 in the following decade. So I think what we're trying to say here is the more people move to town, the more people experience the phenomena. Yeah. Um, and this person says that it could be a unidentified flying object. 
Um, however, this light was originally reported long before UFOs were coined. Yeah. If that makes sense. So the Min Min was reported before people knew what UFOs were. Yeah. And it became the famous thing that we know now. Um, some people say it could be a meteor or a meteorite. Um, and this person also went on to say that it could be enhanced by tiredness and alcohol. Absolutely, because sometimes you'll get a glint in your eye. Well, not sorry, that's a bad way of putting it. You'll be driving along and you'll see something in your peripheral vision or you'll see like a reflection of something further down the track. So what it could be is someone, say, on a farm has got a helicopter out just doing some spot work and then you see the light and you go, oh, geez, and you panic. So obviously there's a lot of reasoning involved here. So if you take it with credible doubt and go, okay, I think I saw this, you know, exploration leads to results. So I think that it's probably just a natural phenomenon. Nothing, you know, sort of... Creepy about it? Creepy. There's no... It's it's probably just something to do with barometric conditions and, and light refraction, reflection. Well, would you like to hear a no-sleep story Go for that it. I found? Kick it's it out. It's quite long. Kick it out. Um, it was submitted nine years ago by Three Ruin. And this person says, I just waded through the thread about creepy outback four-wheel drive stories. This one did the job. Reposting here for easy reading, smiley face. And you put both parts because apparently it's a two-part story. Yeah. And this person that he copied the statement from says, I was out behind Petersborough, South Australia, in old gold mining fields, doing some drilling for samples in the early 80s when we broke a bit of equipment on the shaft and had to come back into town to do repairs. We drove back out to the highway from Broken Hill, oh, that's close to home, yeah. to Peterborough, and stopped at a roadhouse for fuel. I went in for a drink. Boom! Alcohol. There was a creepy silence in the place, and a woman was quietly crying at a table and was being consoled by two men. She was crying in a deep, traumatized way that makes you not want to look, makes you speak quietly when you order, and leave quickly. Yeah. Back in Peterborough, we spent the rest of the day welding and chasing parts and phoning progress reports and being yelled at. At dusk, we hit the pub for a couple of pipe cleaners of the frothy liquid kind and drove back to the caravan park looking forward to a shower and barbecue steaks. When we pulled into the park, I noticed a vehicle parked next to our rental van was at the roadhouse and wondered, and sure enough, when I got out of the truck, I heard the same terrible sobbing coming from the van door. I had my shower, and when I came back from the shower blocks, I saw a guy in his 50s sitting near the barbecue area with his head in his hands, a cigarette smoking, poking through his fringe with his face covered. I grabbed my food and a couple of Strongbow ciders and went out to the barbecue dinner. I must admit, I selfishly was relieved to hear the lady had stopped crying. I thought we were in for a long night, and I was curious. The guy looked up at my arrival, and we greeted each other. I started preparations and snuck looks at him. He was gone, and he was lost in his head. He was not sobbing, but it was etched all over his face. He was far from okay. I cooked for a minute or two, and opened up a cider on the edge of the barbie. He jerked at the violent action, so I said, sorry, then offered him one. He looked at it for a little too long, but then said, Sure, 
in an unmistakable accent. He took it from my hand and said, thanks. He said his wife was exhausted and had finally fallen asleep. And if I'm, uh, and if I minded if he stay around while I did the dinner thing, and I said, sure. I told him I had been at the roadhouse for fuel and had seen how distraught his wife was. And he said that, it, and then he went all white with the memory. I asked if he had an accident. Sorry, this is so poorly written. There are so many grammatical errors, so I'm trying to fix them as I read. Yeah, that's no. why I'm stumbling. No, I'm sorry. I asked if they had an accident, and he said, Sir, I don't know what we had. But then again, why would a 50-year-old man be calling a young whippersnapper, Sir? Yeah. But that's a different story. Yeah. This ain't my story to tell. Yeah. He falls silent, thinking, So I finish the eggs and pile them on the stacks and stay... I'll be back in a minute. And I take the tray inside and put it on the table. I turn mine into a couple of steak burgers and head back out to the guy. He's still lost in thought. I open a new brew and I eat my dinner. After a while, he turns and looks at me and says, Sorry for the silence. Then he starts to tell me, She broke down this morning as soon as we opened the tent. We both did, truth be told. We both did. We don't know what happened and we weren't injured. We just can't explain it. We just got into the jeep and drove. We talked it out, but we just don't know what happened. When we saw the Yunta Roadhouse, we started saying, what happens if it's different? What happens if they aren't the same people? Or if they are, but they don't remember us. But we stopped in the front and got out and we held hands and we went in. It was the same, exactly the same, sparkling clean, cafe mini blackboard, Cakes piled in cake display cases all along the counter. And as we stood there, we could see the same bunch of young guys with aprons rushing around the counter. I thought to myself, yep, that's the Anta Roadhouse, but the same as what? Personally, it was a new one on me. Uh, these six guys had bought the place and it was an oasis. Real coffee, best damn cakes I'd ever had in my life. Gourmet rolls and sandwiches and pastries. We stopped every time we passed it, which was continued every day because it was off the turn off to the fields where we were working. I'm sorry, this is terrible. <laughs> he continued, the same guy who served us the day before saw us and said, I told you that the walnut cake was good, but you had the last few pieces yesterday, but we haven't had time to make more. And he laughed and my wife passed out cold. She just flopped like a wet towel. The guys ran out and we helped pick her up. And put her in a chair, and he sat with us while I tried to explain. So this guy takes a drink, and he yeah. says, I don't drink. And he smiles. He explained that he was a college professor from the Midwest of the USA, and his wife was Australian, a librarian, and that he had six weeks off, and they were on their way to Alice Springs to visit her parents and to see Uluru. They were driving a loner from her sister and her husband from Dubbo, complete with camping gear. The day before yesterday, they had driven into a broken hill, and he first noticed the light, a blue light far away on the horizon. He said it was odd because it never went away, and it was there for ages. They got to Broken Hill, they brought bread rolls from a deli, and they drove out of town towards Peterborough, intending to camp. They turned off on a dirt road and drove for a bit, but they noticed that the light was back again. They turned off on a flat plain and parked at a good spot. What the fuck's a good spot in an empty plane but that's a different story yep. set up the tent not today buddy 
Not today. <laughs> and he drags some rocks into a circle. Why would you make a circle? <laughs> what is it about circles? And he made a fire. They toasted bread and heated open cans of baked beans and spaghetti in the fire and went straight to bed. In the morning, they heated a bucket of water and washed up, made a thermos of coffee and packed up and left. I'm sorry, but there aren't no thermoses, but that's a different day. 30 minutes after they hit the main road to Peterborough, the wife remembered the empty cans. She had seen them as soon as she had opened the tent in the morning and reminded herself to put them in the rubbish back to dispose of in town. She asked her husband, who's this guy that's telling the story, to go back, but he refused. Apparently they were both environmentalists and they had an argument about whether it was worse to leave the cans there or burn fuel driving all the way back. And she sulked for a while. And I'm thinking, wouldn't you just put the cans back in your car until you got to the next town when you inevitably need to refuel your car? Yeah. But alas, it's not my story. So they see Yunta and they decide to pull up in for breakfast. And then they ordered a cake and coffee and ended up having two cups each. And they bought the cake. That was some of the best cake they ever had. Right on. Yeah. Some guy told them to buy some bacon cheese quiche for the road, so they did. They bought four pieces. And they drove on to Peterborough for some, for some fuel and drove through their way to Port Augusta and to the turnoff at Alice Springs. The pies they brought in Peterborough were dry and smelly, so they got kept for a campsite burial with funeral rites. I don't understand what that sentence is trying no. to say. But how are you going to tie in campsite burial with funeral rites? That's... Or they're trying to say... They buried them at the campsite and said a prayer for the pies. Is that what they're trying to Maybe. say? I'm, I'm I don't sure. know. They drove after dark again and the light appeared on the horizon. This time he talked about it with his wife. She wasn't worried, but he said it bothered him because it just stayed out there at some distance for too long. It should have diminished as he drove further. They turned off the highway and camped in a gravel pit just 50 metres from the highway. They got out the tent and set it up and made a fire in a hole he dug with a shovel and shatter- <laughs> sat around it talking for a while. They ate the quiche, drank coffee and remarked on how the hillocks cut the noise of passing trucks to almost zero. Then they went to bed. Just as they were falling asleep, there was this blazing flash of blue light that flashed over them and buzzed like a blowfly and passed their senses in part of a second. They jumped up, got out of the tent, but the sky was dark. The man grabbed a torch and ran up the side of a hill to see if there were any vehicles or lights, but there was nothing to see. He came back and they talked about it for a while. They talked about lightning or aircraft, talked about moving camp. After an uneventful hour, they went back to bed. At this point, they stopped talking and a police car pulled into their caravan park and stopped at the manager's office. And now you're going to ask me, but you told me they just parked on the side of the road. But you told me they just parked on the side of the road. Exactly. Exactly, on the side of the road. But Why suddenly they're in a caravan park and in the cops have come to talk to them. On the side of the road. What do you do? So a copper gets out and he walks towards the office and he looks and he saw them. He waved to the husband and walked back to the car and drove up to them. He got out, greeted them, and got a couple of rolls and bags and a tent in a pouch out of the boot and put them on the ground. He came over and squatted down in front of Mr. Martin. With a glance, he started talking, well, Mr. Martin being the husband. And he says, you can see we have found your campsite and you've brought back your belongings. So again, they're suddenly in a campsite. Yeah. We need to tell you that there are three sets of wheel tracks going in and out of the place you camped. 
all those tire marks belong to your vehicle. There are no tracks anywhere around the site and nothing unusual either. Both set of boot marks from you and your wife are visible and there is no sign of anything out of the ordinary at all. The doctor that you saw this afternoon has requested that neither of you drive till he texts you both tomorrow to see how you are doing. So we need you to stay around. Do you understand? The doctor says that you're both suffering from shock, okay? So the husband nods. He gets up and grabs some bags and walked down to the vehicle and packed it in. Yeah. That was not that, so good. Not the best writing. Um, so long story short, this couple's gone out camping. What if the copper wasn't real? Yeah, exactly. What if it was dun, 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 dun. Dun. So, uh, yeah, that is definitely not what you call an outback mukbang. That was a terrible camping story. That was terrible. I'm surprised. You know what it probably is? This is my personal rendition of Psycho. <laughs> I reckon it's actually prehistoric pterodactyls that are carrying around drop bears with flashlights. So what they're actually seeing is it's essentially they're airlifting the, the drop bears into the outback. And really? Then, as we know, um, drop bears don't like, you know, the British. They don't? They don't. So that's why they... The guy wasn't British, he was American. I know, right? But I don't want to offend the Americans listening. In the case of the moment, I might get, you know, corona. So essentially, the outback, um, you know, is full of many funny things. Um, So you're telling me a copper... Yep. ...who lives in town... Yes. ...is going to pull out his sleeping bag, toss it on the ground and camp with everyone else? No, he ain't. Hypothetically... Copper's going to sleep in his car or drive back and sleep in his house. Unless he's got, you know... How did the copper know they were there? Yeah. Why three set, sets of... Oh, because they came in, they left, and they came in. Yeah. But there would have been four then because... No, the, three. The, the copper's gone out, then come back. No, but he said there are only three. Oh, maybe that's a joke. The copper ain't real. Yeah, Maybe. Maybe it's all a figment of their imagination. Honestly, I tried my best to make that as grammatical as possible when I read it. I'm sorry. Someone was rolling dice on that. It would have been a lot easier if they were rolling dice. Anyway, sorry it's a bit short today. No, no, no. It's like, you know, Um, I've had something similar to like that. Not, I wouldn't say experience. I was doing a a. 3am finish one morning. And I uh, was walking home and I noticed a light in a field bobbing around. Um, and as I got closer to home, about the halfway Tell the full story because it was foggy. Yeah, was so cold, essentially winter's night winter. in the morning. Um, I'd say it was about probably five degrees. At like 2, 3 a.m.? 3 a.m. So it would have been about quarter past three. And I was just walking along and you know how you get that feeling like something's watching you, like Mm. the hairs on the back of your neck stand up and it just got, all of a sudden it got, like it went, it got warm and then got chilly again. So it was more effective. It was enough to go like bolt right, just stop and then turned left and I saw this little like bobbing thing in a field nearby and I was sort of walking, and it kind of just stopped came, when you stopped. stopped, and then it came forward a little bit, and you ran, and then I bolted because <laughs> so did your colon. <laughs> so I started walking, and the thing sort of zigzagged and went across up the fence line. Oh, stop! And I 
bolted. Like I literally bolted. I got home, locked the doors, like slammed the doors, locked the doors, and woke up your mother. No, I was home alone. So oh, that would have made it worse. Bolt upright. Did you like run, close every single curtain? Yeah, make sure. And also the other thing on that particular night, around the same time, all the lights went out. Ooh. So power surge through the whole block. Ooh. Imagine if he was like a tradie asking for help. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> <He's in touch. laughs> like, hey mate, do you know where the what do yeah, they call it? That's probably the what it was. It was probably a security guard, you know. Oh, could you imagine? I'm trying to reason it so you don't feel emotionally thing. No. I don't I've never had an experience like that. I see, you know, when you see shit in the, the peripheral vision because yeah. your eyes are made to get light directly into the center. So I see like smears and stuff sometimes. And so when I'm home alone, I like to lock every door possible. And I shut, like, we have some roller doors and I shut them so that way if something's going to come, like, it's enough for a floof to walk through. Yeah. But if something big is in the house, I'm going to hear the door open and shut. Then but then, like, even nighttime, you'll see, like, like the, the night vision, and it's just like these little, like, white eyes just, like, looking around, like, uh, or you get dogs that, you know, like to peer through fences with red eyes, and you're oh, kind of go, Rusty, you tell a is rusty that you? Story? <laughs> um, so, essentially, one night, I was just out, you know, on a moonlit evening, and it was, like, Running really, the really dark, and I saw these red, like, shapes coming around near, the, like, one of the fences, and then um, it's just like they were following me and getting closer. So obviously you're shitting bricks at this stage when you're a little kid. And then it's like, hang on a second. It's making this noise like, Rusty, is that you? Shit. <laughs> you know. <laughs> the shit happens in your face. Yeah. Lucky you went to the toilet. Rusty, is that you? <laughs> you know. So that was fun. <laughs> Yeah. yeah. Fingers crossed. So they weren't um, min min lights. They were just, you know. Apparently, this shit you can bring on. Like, apparently, you can make yourself have. Um, a psychotic night... break? Yeah. Night terror. All you have to do is ask to do graduate research <laughs> in science, buddy. And yeah. That'll lead you to a psychotic break. But apparently, like, stuff like night terrors. Yeah. Um, and sleep paralysis. Yeah. Apparently, you can, in a lucid dream, like force yeah it to occur yeah you can. and that freaks me out and so so many people even like friends who experienced like in the past and they tell me and they're like oh this happened I'm like, look i'm not trying to be disrespectful but i want to hear what you have like tell me what you have to tell me but i don't need you to explain the specifics yeah because then you're primed to feel that yeah so like a lot of them say that it's either a shadow man or you feel someone on your chest. Yeah. And I can't deal with that. Because in my dream, like, just because of me, in my dreams I'm always running away from something. Yeah. Or something's coming to get me. And I always lose my voice so I can never speak. And my movements and my body, you know how I, like, you can speed something up, two yeah. times speed, you can slow it down. In my dream, my speed is like 0. 0.25. Where yeah. one is normal. And so I'm like super slow and shit like that. And it's just really weird. So I can't deal with that. I don't know what I'd do if I had sleep terrors. Like sleep, not like mm. sleep See, paralysis and stuff. I remember a good one. I only remember because it was like during a sleep phase, a bad sleep phase, I was getting like the, the night terrors thing. And essentially got to the point where you figured out sort of how to combat them. 
Um, so one that was, I just remember vividly, there was one where, you know, it was like I was in a camping site, tent, and the shakes were coming in oh. and drawing things out of the campsite. Oh. And obviously, shadow people versus, you know, sort of, I suppose, what, sleep-deprived nutcase with a lightsaber. Um, generally, that's the case of, oh, yeah, in the campsite. Oh, well, look, I've got a... Don't ask me why I had a shield, but a shield and a lightsaber. And then it's a case of cutting down, you know, cutting down shadow bitches all over the place. <laughs> and then the shit hit the fan when I called in the airstrike and everything just got Fair blown to shit. But it's sort of a case of... At what point can you get your mind to... I correct things in my dream. Yeah. Or it's I'll like... I'll be like, oh, like for example, say it's... What's a good example? I had one where the battery's like a torch and the torch wouldn't work. And then in my head I thought, why don't you check that the batteries are the right way? Because the way my mum taught me is like, you know how you have camping torches? Yeah. So you don't lose your battery. You take the the torch battery that's closest to the opening and you turn it upside down. Yeah. So in my dream, I'm like trying to run away from this thing that's chasing me, but my torch isn't working. So I'm like, oh, yeah, yeah. check that the battery's the right way. And then I'm like, oh, my brain's like, okay, that's what we're going to do. Yeah. And I remember a friend, a friend from uni in the early days, he used to have um, really bad sleepwalking. Also, not oh, terrorist. Oh, shit. Sleepwalking um, is the worst. I haven't had it, but apparently it's the so worst. So, what they had to do was um, Tie the move his bed. bed to the bottom floor. So, where he wouldn't trip. Fall down the stairs and stuff like that. So, what they would do is his siblings would... They wouldn't wake him up. But you just make sure it doesn't hurt him. They just... Direct him throughout direct the Direct him. Like, they just gently direct him back and he would just go back to bed like he'd get up he'd be open he'd like open cupboards and like just stare at them or there was one where he said uh, apparently dad was watching a game of footy while doing work and he just walked up like but his dad was used to it because his dad was an insomniac so he would would just talk to him like it was nothing so he would have a conversation with him he'd just be standing there having a conversation like staring at the wall just, and then it's like, okay, yeah, time to go back to bed. Go play with the cat. Okay. And then like that monotone kind of, oh. go make your bed. Oh, you know, so-and-so's on the couch. Why don't you, okay. So he'd go to the couch, oh, no. go to sleep. And he said, just carry what, what they would do was just guide him back to like his bed or the couch and he would go to sleep and he'd wake up. He wouldn't remember any of it. Yeah. But the problem is... It's the, shocking to you when you wake up. In the early days, different. they like tried stopping him. And it was like, a, you know, the response when someone they throws ice cold they water on him? They don't know how they got there. Yeah. So it's a case of insta-shock. And apparently what, what, what can happen sometimes, people could have a heart attack from it because of the shock. Yeah. So... What they ended up doing was recording it and playing it back, so he, he knew, knew what, he was, what was happening. But that so, would be so fucking creepy. Yeah. you'd feel like you were being possessed, and yeah. you watch back for this footage, and you can't reason that that's you doing that, and you're like, oh my god, like what's yeah. causing that to happen? I don't know. Yeah, because they couldn't that's figure really out why the the cupboards kept being left open. And why the fridge would be left open? <laughs> that reminds me of the woman that lived in the attic. Other person's house. Yeah. Oh. And then there's like video footage and he thought it was his girlfriend or his wife yeah. or whatever it was. And 
moving shit around on him or having midnight snacks and we're talking like four litres of milk disappearing overnight and his wife would be like, I have no idea what you're talking about. And then he put up a camera and you see her walk down and I think she's above the fridge, Yeah. I think, from memory or something. And you see her like open the cupboard and she squats down and she uses the sink as if it's a toilet. Yeah. And pretty, she's like rummaging crazy. through the fridge. That would scare me to shit. I also remember um, reading something where they were doing training for the SASR. Oof. And essentially what they had to do was infiltrate a building, house, whatever, on a complex. Yeah. And then what they had to do is they had to remain undetected for a certain number of days. And then, essentially, think of it, they would have to either, you know, catch a target, take in information from a target, yeah. observe, or assassinate. In quotation marks, because he's a trainer. So there was this one guy, apparently, who was in the walls of the house for a week. And he went nuts. And essentially what ended up being was, during the actual test, they had this guy, he was apparently... He was given a kill order. So the the test was he had to do a kill order for a certain amount of time. Had to wait for all the feedback to go through. Nobody knew. And then essentially what ended up happening was... When the target came, he was in the wall. He knew the, where the person was that he was to target. Literally all it was was punch through the plaster, grab the guy, come in, simulated knife attack. Yeah. So bang, dead, gone. And you sort of go, that is scary as fuck. Night terrors, scary as fuck. The whole shadow thing is essentially a case of one, what is your brain doing? Because obviously... You're both trying to reason the stimulus that's in there. But you know, some people actually say they see, they feel like uh, it's always the old hag, the Baba Yaga, that's on their chest and like pinning their arms down. Yeah. And like she's got her yellow cat like eyes and she's got her like jaws out and she's drooling on them. And I don't know, like I would literally dive. If that was me, if that was something I ever experienced, I would shit. Pee and so dive can, a heart okay. attack all at once. Take this as a... Okay, we're going to do a scientific analysis on this. Say, for instance, if like Bubba Yaga, for instance. Okay, say nobody knows what Bubba Yaga looks like. Nobody knows no, what the entity it's all looks subjective like. Based but on here's what the thing. Say, for theory. instance, if you had a million people say they experienced this same phenomena, hadn't seen anything, hadn't heard it, Nothing like that prior. It all happens. And then when all the recollection comes down, the same description goes across the board. At what point would you go, okay, if I've just had a million people suffer from this, hundred, oh, like a million people have seen this, they've all described it the exact same way yeah. without any prior knowledge, then you would go... That's not coincidence. Something is going on. That's the point. No, of course. But whether it's real, whether it's an actual demon or entity on someone or whether it's your brain computing information or like i said before other people have told you it's happened to them and you subconsciously force it upon yourself you cannot deny the part where you can't move yeah you're prey you're asleep but you're not yep you're awake but you're not and something's there and you have limited time to Psych yourself into being awake before they can't grab you. Yeah. And a lot of people tie it to astral projection. 
But also to... And they say that if you leave your body, other stuff's going to come to your body and take that yeah. vehicle, and you're going to be left on an actual plane. Astral that's plane. another story. I don't know if it's true yeah. or not. I think that's the basis behind the conjuring, actually. That's how yeah. big that thing is. Yeah, but imagine seeing what was going on in the conjuring. Not the conjuring. Um, there's Insidious. one with the sun. Yes. Insidious. Oh, jeez. Good movie. But the bit when they're walking down the hallway and arms and everything. Yeah. Semtex. Thermite down the hallway. Thanks very um, much. Yeah, yeah, dude. Dude. But see, this is what... Okay, here's the other thing too. I found that, obviously, a lot of it is some down, sometimes drawn down to, um, you know, fears and... Yes, that's what it boils down to. Yeah, and also to... But there's a reason why... I can't remember what it was that we out-competed. And that's why humans survived, because we made towns, we made villages. Yeah. Um, we built border fences and the stuff that we were scared of in the night. To that's why humans are scared of the dark. Yeah, because what we Because what we out-competed, um, what's that other, like, they're not humans, they're not uh, homo sapien, there was something else. Yeah. I can't remember what they were. Hominids. But there was a TV show about it. Yeah, but also to remember, in Africa and everything, villages were built... To keep out things like lions, tigers, wild animal, other wild animals. Yeah, but there was a specific. Because this came down to if you go all the way back, you had Neanderthals or the Neanderthals, no, no, no. but this there was a... cannibals as well. Yes, that's they're the people I'm talking about. Yeah. but I can't remember what. Yeah, there were different spe- subspecies or whatever. And the that's why it was you called. know over in. So that's why they were saying. In Scotland and Ireland, they're talking about fairies. You know, there's a whole different thing there. You know, apparently, if you cross into a fairy circle, you're fucked. Yeah, and but see, here's the thing: fairy circles are basically, you know, mushrooms. But essentially, people don't realise that mushrooms, if you see little groups of mushrooms... You're stuffed, you're in it. You're in it because it's all the one organism. Well, they say that the earth opposite... Like, ley lines run on the earth. Yeah. And supernatural stuff happens. It's like a grid. It may Mm. not be exact, like... It's like paranormal battleship. Yeah. Yeah. But it's not... Like, what I mean is it's not... Straight straight lines. It's weird, but apparently there are ley lines of the earth, and where there are breaks is where the events occur. Yep. But ley lines are funny. Sorry, I straight away went to supernatural then. No, it's fair enough. Um, it'd be interesting though because it's how much your mind will play games with you. Because you think. Okay, if you're scared of something, you will recall it. Your brain wants to process it. So... But then there's also genetic memory. Yeah. And it's what humans have. That's why humans are scared of... And it's also your body and your brain, legitimately your brain, trying to protect you from shit. Yeah. Like, for example, a lot of kids, and I was one of them, you're, you can't do cars well for a large portion of your life. And that was me. And that's because your brain thinks you've ingested something hallucinogenic and it's going to poison you. And you, your brain's like, we need to throw up now to get that shit out of our system. But you're driving in a car. You haven't ingested anything. Yeah. Because you're sitting there and you're seeing the road move and your body knows you're not moving. 
So you must be, and it happens also on roller coasters as well. Yeah. Your brain can't distinguish. Um, Vertigo. Vertigo is another example. Your brain's like, I don't need to be this high. Yeah. I'm scared of heights. Let's get back to the ground. Talking about sea though, I just suddenly remembered something. You know how there's five ships in Battleship? Yeah. There's also five oceans. I thought there were six oceans. Five. But there are a lot of seas. Yes. That's why they say seize the day. Bad joke? Bad pun? That's got me thinking now. Seven seas, bitch. Oceans. So you've got seven seas, seas. five oceans, five ships, nine continents. Jenga. Apparently, according to the ocean... Also, can you hear our neighbour? Like, it is raging. Yes. Um, According to the National Ocean Service of the US Department of Commerce, apparently there are four. Um, the Atlantic, Pacific, Indian, and Arctic. But that's, you know, America minimizing everything else. Yeah, true. So, you know. Don't do what the Americans say. Yeah, pretty much. Do what the Kiwis say. That's how they've survived longer. You know why? Oh, look, there's a virus going around. Cool. Let's lock it down. That is why New Zealand is basically pristine nature reserve what i would like to know is do what okay so we have min min lights in the outback of australia yes what do other you know countries get similar to min min lights or unless oh sorry or would they also get a similar phenomena because once the phenomena can be recreated that's what the will-o'-wisps are yeah and they also call them jack-o'-lantern in north america because honestly, if there's some real, real prehistoric, you know, psycho bullshit going on, imagine if this is the shit that used to be outside the fence in oh. the early days. There's a reason why animals have, you know, adjusted to things over the, the millennia. And a lot of it is a case of we have night hunters and we have day hunters. So, blurring the lines, you start to get some creatures that shouldn't exist. All right. So, apparently, this is Wikipedia, so I can't speak to legitimacy. And, obviously, we're going to cover it when we do other phenomena. Yeah. But, apparently, Mexico says that um, they call it Lucius De Niro. Sorry. Lucius Del De Niro, which means money lights. Or Lucius Del Tesoro, which means treasure lights. Hmm. Um, and apparently it indicates places where gold or hidden treasures are buried, but only children can help guide you to them. Um, apparently in Massachusetts there's this area called the Bridgewater Triangle where ghostly orbs of light have been observed even in modern times. Um, there you go. Then there's similar shit in Argentina, Colombia, Venezuela, Uruguay, and Louisiana. Louisiana. In Asia... There's the marsh ghost light, or Alea. Yeah. Um, and it's observed of the Bengal, Bengalis. And the fishermen of West Bengal and Bangladesh mm. say that it's because of marsh gas. Yeah. But it causes apparitions. Um, and it makes the fishermen confused. And some of them, like, drown. Because they go over to the marshes 
yep. to find the source of the light and they just fall through. Yep. And they, oh, how terrible is that? Because marshland is really, really treacherous. Oh, shit. In Colombia, Le Candelia, she's a will-o'-wisp ghost that's a vicious grandmother who raised her grandchildren without morals and they became thieves and murderers. So in, their after, in the afterlife, their grandmother's spirit condemned them to wander the world surrounded in flames. Wow. That's, that's like next level. Imagine that as part of the Conjuring universe. Don't give him ideas, please. <laughs> um, in, oh, this is my favourite Europe, mate. Let's go to Romania. Oh, wait. Th- this is like where... Um, this was in Outlander and they're like, oh, you put your uh, silborn baby or your... I don't want to use the word deformed, but that's what they would say. Yeah. Baby in a tree and... Because it was a changeling. Yeah. And they'd say your real baby would be put there. Yeah. And you had a certain amount of time, otherwise you failed. Yeah. Uh, in Sweden, again, they have the Will-O-Wisp, but that represents the soul of an unbaptized person, and it tries to lead travellers to water in hopes of being baptised. Yeah. Um, and the Danes, Finns, Swedes, Estonians, Latvians, Lithuanians, and Irish people say that the Will-O-Wisp also marks locations of treasure deep in the ground or in water. Um... Apparently, St. John's Day is about a will-o'-wisp marking the exact place and time so he could come back to take, take his treasure. Oh. Evil. Evil know. will the wisp. And then in Oceania, it talks about the moon moonlight. Yep. Which is um, all very freaky. Yep. Anything else you want to talk about today? No, that was pretty cool with the... Uh, you know, the will of the wisps and the um, in moonlights, but it makes us me, you know, makes us me, that's a good English, makes us me wants to go back to Pathfinder and, uh, yeah, listen to the... Rob, the rabble, if you're listening... The ramblings of a crazy you didn't DM. click on my Pathfinder link today. We have Do it. We're severely disappointed. I asked him yeah, he didn't. two weeks ago and he didn't respond, so I didn't want to keep pestering him. I'm going to pester him. He's obviously busy. Yeah, time to pester um, him. Because we can Pathfinder tomorrow, bro. Yeah, I think he's... Uh, so anyway uh, if you're looking to find us we actually have a topic request form so you can go in there put the topic that you would like us to cover Um, please also state your name and um, your pronouns so we can appropriately refer to you Uh, you can find us on Podbean or Apple Podcasts Podbean Spotify Stitcher TuneIn YouTube Instagram and Twitter or you can email us at controlsandcouches at gmail.com he is full made of chicken. Yes, I am. I am Steph Fafar. And if you be working in Pine Gap at the moment and you're listening to this post, kudos to you. But could you also please bump our network speed up a little bit? Much appreciated. That way we can upload this stuff to you faster. I can't wait to get in bien. Oh, geez. You know, it'd be uh, quite a boost. But wouldn't it be funny if, you know, we get like a 50, you know, gig, sorry, 50 meg download plan and then it goes to like five megabit per second no it doesn't do that. i'd be so so furious how am i going to download lamingtons well uh, even if he was at five that's a lot better than what we're getting Ooh. now so i'm not going to be too difficult about it no. to be honest no, no. five is a lot better than five kilobits yes i love five kilobits per second and on that note Thank you so much for listening, everyone. Thank you very much for listening. And um, for any of the people out there who wish 
to see what other stuff we've got on. Check out our channels. There's a lot of gaming there. There's a lot of building there. We've also got another 39 episodes of Ramblings. Listen to the sounds of joy coming through your speakers. Yeet. And, you know. Hope you all have a productive and safe week. Um, Looks like we're going to be in quarantine for a while. So... Don't go out unless you need to be out. Okay, so services only. Until next week, what's our projection on levels for Modern Warfare? What am I now, 67? 67. Almost almost 67 or am I 67 going 68? 67 going on 68. (coughs) So by the end of tonight, what's the the goal? (coughs) 70? Me? Yeah. Um, I don't know what happened to my voice there. I'm so sorry. All good. Look, if I get 70, that'd be nice. Yep. I'm going 67. I'm sorry. You're trying to get to the level I am now. Yes. Yep. Okay. Okay. And uh, yeah, next week maybe you'll probably be already on 100. And I'll be I don't on think si- so. And I'll be on 68. Alrighty, but everyone. On that note, be well. May the force be with you. And also with me. Live long and prosper. Live long and prosper. And that means you're also going to watch the new uh, Star Trek series with Picard. And of- you, on the other hand, have to finish Joe Exotic. Yes, I do, because it's an exotic series about Joe. Carol Baskin. For everything else, there's Mastercard. Carol Baskin. Oh, yeah, Carol Baskin. Baskin. Doc Anil. Doc Anil. Okie dokie. All right, hurry up. I'm going to go pew pew. Woohoo, pew pew time. Adios, muchachos. Until next week, we are out. Ha ha.